Welcome, welcome to Sunday Service. My name is Pace Morby, and we are here talking about creative finance. That's the main thing that I love to talk about. We do everything in real estate, from fixing and flipping, wholesaling, listing, retail, really. People on my team, we, we do a lot of retail as well. Uh, we do development. We do land. We do multifamily. We do mobile home parks. We do all of the things but I have a love for creative finance for multiple purposes and multiple reasons. Um, and today we are going to change up the format of Sunday service for a couple of reasons. We want to talk to you guys. If you are new to Sunday service, this is going to basically be episode one of your journey. Now for people that are already in my audience, we typically have four, five, sometimes upwards of 800 people live on Sunday service. It is a show on our YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash pace morby where i primarily talk about creative finance now what's happened recently is i've been featured on bigger pockets i've been featured on brad lee the wolf's den i'm working on a couple of book deals and we are also on a television show that is called triple digit flip on a and e and that television show is roughly at 500,000 plus live viewers on a weekly basis so as you can imagine, we get new people coming through all the time and saying, who is Pace Morby? What's creative finance? What the heck is sub two? I see him wearing this peace sign everywhere. His logo is everywhere. I don't know what it means, why it's there, et cetera. And so today we are going to explain to you, the audience, what is creative finance and how does it differ from regular real estate? How does it differ from what my uncle, who's a realtor, does? How does it benefit anybody? Why is it even there? And why is this the first time I'm hearing about it? We will be answering that primarily through today's episode. What is creative finance? Going forward, okay, this is episode one. I want you guys to start with, if you're new to me, we're going to start pushing people to this episode. If you are new to me, episode two is going to start deep diving chronologically in terms of what I would want you to know. So today, what is creative finance? Right here, Grant Huckenstein says, first time here from Richmond, Virginia, hot market and ready to try some creative financing. So uh, right here, Silly Girl says, no hat for Pace. Well, today I took my daughter on a little date. Anybody who's following me on my Instagram, at Pace Morby, you guys can see that uh, I took her on a date and so I didn't wear a hat. I wanted to be around my baby and have her know her dad a little bit without wearing a hat sometimes, right? So um, Eric Cabada, first time here. Yeah, right. Eric Cabada and I have done deals together. I'm not sure if Eric is actually tuned into my um, lives or not, but Eric Cabada is one of my friends. I love Eric Cabada. Good to see you in here, brother. So um, anyway, guys, we are going to talk about what is creative finance. And what I, in order for me to uh, help you understand what creative finance is, I'll give you a definition. But then the best thing for you guys to truly understand is how does it actually benefit you? And we'll talk about a couple of deals. I'll talk about some deals that I've actually bought this week um, that are seller finance and subject to deals that will end up being cash flowing deals. So creative finance, okay? Creative finance is a way that you can acquire properties other than cash by working out an agreement with the seller that doesn't require a bank. It doesn't require lenders a lot of times. It doesn't require... Uh, most of the time cash doesn't require credentials. And what are credentials for those of you that don't know what credentials are? Credentials are the things that your lender, which we already said your lender is not needed in this situation. 
Credentials are like, do I have a W-2? Have I had that W-2 for two years or longer? Do I have a good credit score? All of those things, right? Job history, tax returns, bank records, all of those things are credentials. And I can tell you that this year alone, we acquired nearly, I'm not Grant Cardone, so by no means do I try and compare myself to anybody else. But this year alone, we acquired nearly $10 million of real estate only using creative finance on, on just those $10 million worth of real estate. Now, what does that mean? That means I acquired them through one of the methods I'm going to break down with you guys here. Primarily, those two, the two methods that we buy primarily are subject to and seller finance. Okay. I will break down to you guys what subject to is through a couple of different stories and a couple of different analogies to help you understand that. But creative finance is the process of buying houses or getting houses under contract um, without having to use lenders, without having to use credit, without having to use anything but an agreement with the seller. Okay. Now, let's break down just quickly what is a cash transaction. I think a lot of people might not even know what a cash transaction looks like. So let's break that down real quick. A cash transaction typically is I'm going to find a house. Now, guys, if you're finding me now, most people that are trying to find off-market distressed properties, they think the best place to go is Zillow. Okay, guys, nobody finds deals on Zillow. I shouldn't say that. Very few people find deals on Zillow. Okay, most of the time, people in our audience, ourself, you guys will see me collaborating with Brent Daniels, Jamil Damji. Where are we finding our deals 99% of the time? We're finding them on what we call off-market. Okay, off-market means... It has not been put on Zillow. It has not been listed with a realtor. It has not been um, marketed out there whatsoever, off market. We also call this a lot of times direct to seller. Now, if you don't know what direct to seller means, that means that if I see an ugly house, okay, we all have driven around our neighborhoods. We all have been all over the country. We see vacant properties. We see distressed properties. We see roofs that are blown off and people parking their cars in front of their houses and all those things. These houses are distressed sellers, right? They have distress, visible distress on the outside of the property. So what we do is we go, hey, I see this house. It's obvious that it's in distress. And I call, I text, or I mail that seller in some fashion. And I directly reach out to that seller with a phone call, a text, or a piece of mail. Could be you know, a voicemail, could be physical mail, et cetera, okay? So you're going to run into direct-to-seller is where 99% of our deals come from or they come from other wholesalers who went and did this before they brought the deal to us. So the wholesaler will go, they'll call, they'll text, they'll mail the seller and they'll say, hey, are you open to a cash offer, Okay. And a cash offer will say, okay, well, your house is worth, let's say, um, $100,000 on Zillow. So the wholesaler's goal is to get that under contract for about 50%, maybe 60% of what it's worth. And then that wholesaler will turn around and sign, assign that deal to us for $60,000. I buy that property for $60,000. I put ten dollars into it. I put it back on the market for $100,000. And I end up making, I'm doing quick math for you guys. It doesn't work out exactly this way, but I end up making anywhere between 10 to $20,000 profit by buying that property from a wholesaler, okay? 
So that's a cash transaction, right? Cash transactions are typically for fix and flip buyers or long-term burr strategy buyers, okay? Now, a lot of people that are jumping into real estate, they don't want to fix and flip because they don't have experience, they don't have a lot of money, or they don't want to burr because they don't have credit, they don't have credentials, they don't have the ability to actually build a portfolio quite yet. And so what they believe is the easiest thing to do is wholesale, okay? Wholesale, I would say, is the lowest hanging fruit, okay? Lowest hanging fruit in real estate because you don't need any money, really. You don't need any credentials. You don't need a business. You don't need experience. You need very, very little to actually be successful in wholesale. Now, here's the challenge with wholesale, like we talked about before. If I'm going to reach out to this whole, this seller and they know their property is worth $100,000 because they saw their property on Zillow, you have to learn in wholesale how to buy this property for 50 to 60% on the dollar in order for you to make money, okay? And the reason being is because I have to buy that low enough that I can turn around and sell that to a fix and flipper and that fix and flipper will pay me a little bit more than what I paid for it, okay? So it's very challenging when a seller sees their house is worth $100,000 on Zillow and a wholesaler needs to buy it for 50 to 60% of that and as they're calling, texting, or ringless voice messaging this seller, the seller says, uh, hell no, I know my house is worth a hundred grand. So either I'm going to list it with an agent or you need to offer me a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So a cash buyer can't pay a hundred thousand dollars for a property. Okay. You just can't, you absolutely cannot. Okay. So here's what happens. What I do is I go to that same seller as a creative finance guy and I go, hey, I would buy that house for $100,000. I would buy that house for $100,000 if you gave me something in return. I would want something, the, the value of creative finance is terms, okay? The terms of the deal are more important to me. It's either terms or cash. If you want cash, I need a low price. If you're okay with terms, I can pay you a higher price. Okay, so let's talk about a deal. Um, I've talked about this on Bigger Pockets, but I'll talk about this a little bit more in depth. Okay, this is a deal I'm going to pull up right now that I bought Seller Finance a couple of years ago. Actually, it's been about a year and a couple of months. Okay, this deal is on 87th Street. Okay, or maybe it's 78th Street. Let's pull it up. 78. There it is. Boom. Let's pull up the document so you guys can see this. All righty. Oh, yeah, this is good. Let me pull it up and share the screen with you guys in just a second. You guys, a lot of people have followed me for a while. I've seen this example, but we're going to do it again. Okay, so here's the example. This is a property that I bought right here for $100,000. Okay, here's the address of the property. So you guys can see exactly who the seller is. I will read this to you. This is also called a note. We will talk about what a note is specifically, probably in like episode three or four of this series, something along those lines. Okay, this is called a note or a promissory note, or as we also like to call it, an IOU. Okay, so let me turn this off. Cool. Let me erase this real fast. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for being patient. So I buy this property, which you guys will see. I buy this property for $100,000. And you can see exactly, this is public record, by the way. So people that follow me and they're like, this is not real. You guys can see it right here. March 31st, 2020. So I've owned this for coming on two years, right? A year and eight months. I bought this property for $100,000. This is public record, by the way. This is, you can see this note on the county recorder's office, okay? So this seller, why did this seller sell the property to me? Let's go through the story. Dale and Susan Poyer, which you guys can see right here, Dale and Susan Poyer, these are the owners of this property. They have a property, okay? And at the time I bought this property for $100,000, they had a property that was worth $100,000, okay? So here's what's going on. You've got the property. Let me change this marker style real quick. You've got a property right here that Dale and Susan own. They have a tenant inside the property. The tenant is paying them $1,650 a month in rent. And Dale and Susan decide, you know what? We want to go and retire. We don't want to own this property anymore. And so we're going to sell this house. So what's happening is you've got wholesalers who are cold calling all the time. Like literally all the time, wholesalers are always, 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 always calling. Okay. So a wholesaler calls Dale and Susan. Dale and Susan, after a year of being called, finally become ready to sell. And they finally answer that phone call. One wholesaler? No, I don't think so. Probably 20 to 30 wholesalers ended up talking to Dale and Susan. And the average price that these wholesalers were willing to pay on a $100,000 home. Again, this $100,000 was on Zillow. So obviously Dale and Susan knew that their property was worth $100,000 or at least what Zillow believed it was $100,000. These wholesalers are offering how much money? They're offering 40. They're offering 50. And some stupidly were offering, offering $60,000 on a mobile home unit. Okay, it's a home that's a manufactured unit. Okay. So what happened is, Dale and Susan are like, yeah, no, thank you. We're not selling our property for $40,000, $50,000. That's not going to work out. So luckily, because I know creative finance, what happened is I had a um, wholesaler reach out to me and say, hey, Pace, I've been talking to the seller. The seller is very smart. They know that their property is worth $100,000, okay? And I don't know how to overcome this but they're not going to sell the property for $100,000. I'm sorry, they're not going to sell it to me for what I think I should buy it for, which is $50,000. Can you help me talk to the seller about selling on creative finance? So I go with this wholesaler to the appointment. I meet this wholesaler and the, the seller at the appointment. And I understand why is Dale and Susan selling, okay? There's always a reason why. Okay, you guys need to understand this. Sellers, there's always a why with sellers, okay? Why does a seller do anything? Well, the reason why sell, the seller was um, wanting to sell is because they wanted to retire and they wanted to travel around the country in an RV and they wanted to be free of tenants, okay? Now, this unit, this house that they own is paid off free and clear. And so they're thinking, well, we'll sell it for a hundred grand on the retail market. We'll get a hundred thousand dollars. 
And after we sell it to an agent, we probably pay their commissions. We do all that kind of stuff. We will end up walking away with this. Um, we'll end up walking away with probably about $85,000 and we'll be happy. We'll take this cash. We'll move on. We'll retire. And we can continue to then go and live tenant free in our RV and retire. Okay. This is the reason why Dale and Susan were selling. Okay. So what happened is I go to the appointment. I talk to Dale and Susan. And I said, Susan, you know, the only way you're going to be able to get that $100,000 that you're talking about is if you sell it to me on terms, if you sell it to me on creative finance. Now, I'd never used the word creative finance to her because I'm not stupid. Um, but I said, the only way you're going to get that money, that $100,000 that you really want, is if you sell it to me on terms. And so Susan says to me, she says, well, what the heck are terms? What does terms mean, Pace? And I always tell the same story to everybody that I'm telling and explaining terms to, okay? Terms to me is how do I buy something without cash and I just start making payments to it, right? Payments, what are the terms of my payment? So I told Susan the story of my F-150. A lot of people have heard this story. It's a story of a truck I used to own. And I sold this F-150 on terms, okay? And of course, Susan knows what an F-150 is. It's obviously the number one selling truck since like 1930 or something. So I told her a story about, Susan, here's how I sold my, my truck on terms so that you can understand exactly how I want to propose I buy your property for the proposed price you have. And then this story about the F-150 will explain to you what creative finance is and it will explain to you what terms are. So I then proceeded to tell Susan, my story. My story is about my F-150. And my F-150 is, I owned a two, an, an F-150, it hit 320,000 miles. Okay, 320,000 miles. And what happened with this F-150 is I decided I wanted to sell it. I wanted to sell it and I wanted to get every freaking penny out of it that I possibly can. Okay. Does it sound like a seller? Does that sound like a seller a little bit? Susan wants $100,000 for a house that's really worth $100,000, even though she's got tenants inside of it. She's got all that kind of stuff. Susan and Dale want a hundred grand for a property that really isn't quite worth $100,000. Okay. So Dale and Susan, I tell them, look, you want $100,000. Guess what I wanted for my truck? I wanted for my truck $10,000. And Susan says, oh, that sounds reasonable for an F-150. And I go, yeah, but does it sound reasonable for an F-150 with 320,000 miles and it was used? And she's like, uh, I don't know. I go, well, Susan, here's what I did. I went to K Kelly Blue Book. It's kbb.com. And I checked the value, right? Kbb.com is like Zillow for vehicles. And I went on there and KBB told me, did they say my truck was worth $10,000? No, they told me my truck was worth literally in its as is condition, they told me it was worth $5,000. And just like selling a house, if I sold my truck online, Craigslist or whatever, for $5,000, would I get $5,000, Susan? She's like, no, you'd probably get somebody that would give you a cash offer of like $3,500 on Craigslist. I'm like, it sounds very similar to selling a house, right? Like Zillow tells me my house is worth a hundred grand. Am I actually going to get a hundred grand in my pocket if I sell it through a realtor? No, I'll probably get $85,000, something like that. She's like, yeah, that sounds familiar. I go, it's the same thing with a truck, a vehicle. If I put it on Craigslist for 
$5,000, I'm going to end up getting $3,500. She goes, yeah, that sounds about right. I go, so Susan, this is what I did. I went on um, Craigslist. Okay. I went on Craigslist and I ended up listing this truck because I'm belligerent and I believe that my truck is worth $10,000. I put my truck on Craigslist for $10,000. And the big question, Susan, is did I sell that F-150 for $10,000 that Kelly Blue Book told me it was only worth five? She says, probably not. And I said, Susan, not only did I not sell that truck, I ended up not even getting a single text message, a single phone call, a single outreach for literally three months. My wife comes in and my wife, as beautiful as she can be with a nice, beautiful smile says, sweetheart, you need to sell this truck. It's in the driveway. It's like blocking our house. And I go, babe, are you kidding me? I want to sell this truck, but I want to sell the truck for $10,000. Because to me, it's worth that. I could just put it back into service or operation in my construction company. And now my $10,000, I can make my $10,000 there. It's like, yeah, but you know what? You could also sell it and go get a newer truck. And it's probably just a better thing. You don't have to have deal with the issues, the engine starting to have issues and failure and all that kind of stuff. So I go, what do you want me to do? If I put it on Craigslist for five grand, somebody's going to lowball me for 3,500 bucks. And she's like, you're the creative finance guy. How have you not put this on Craigslist and offered somebody to take payments on it? And I was like, oh my gosh. Susan at this point in the story obviously is confused. She's like, I don't know what that means. And I go, well, here's what I did, Susan. This is the only difference in what I did. That $10,000 that I didn't get a single offer on, on Craigslist for three months, I literally didn't even get a phone call. Here's what I did. I went back on Craigslist and I changed one thing. And I said, F-150 will take payments. So instead of me wanting all of this $10,000 up front and getting a cash buyer to come in and lowball me, okay? Instead of me doing that, I said, I will take payments so Susan, when I put when I went back to Craigslist and I changed it to will take payments, do you think I sold that truck for $10,000? And Susan says, yes, you did. I'm sure you did. And I said, I actually did not sell it for $10,000. I sold it for $12,500 because I was willing to take payments on something instead of a lump sum of cash. And at that point and that point only did Susan finally realize what creative finance meant. I didn't need my buyer. His name was Jose, by the way. Jose ended up buying this truck for me. My buyer was willing to make payments to me for multiple years. Okay. Multiple years they were willing to make payments to me because I sold the truck to them. Even though I sold it for two and a half times its worth, I was willing to take payments instead of making them come up with all that cash. Susan, finally understanding what I mean by creative finance and seller finance because of my F-150 story, she says, oh my gosh, I don't, yeah, we don't need all the $100,000 right now. I would sell to you on seller finance. And I go, perfect. So what I proposed to Susan is I said, I will buy this property from you for $100,000 and I 
will make payments to you on that $100,000, what would you like as a down payment? Susan goes, oh my gosh, I can ask for a down payment. I go, yeah, you can also ask for an interest rate too. She goes, oh my gosh, I can charge interest on payments. That's amazing. And so what she did is Susan told me, this is what I want. I want 20% down and I want 8% interest for my loan. And then at this point, I told Susan, I am not your buyer. By the way, guys, this entire um, meeting with the seller is recorded. I recorded this on my iPhone. I've shared it with my students. Me talking to Susan in her living room about this exact story, literally almost word for word, absolutely happened. And I recorded it on my iPhone on a voice memo and I've shared it with my students. Okay. So this is not some made up story. This really, really happened. So I told Susan, I'm not your buyer. You're asking for too much money. She goes, well, what would you offer? And I said, well, Susan, here's the reality. If you sold this property today for $100,000 through a realtor, you would probably walk away with $85,000, maybe. Probably closer to $75,000 because you have an existing tenant in the property and nobody wants to buy a property with a tenant. And if your tenant moves out, now you've got some painting, some other things to do. So you've got a hassle. You've got a hassle to receive this $75,000. I'm proposing that I would go up to your $100,000 if you would give me $0 down, okay? $0 down and 0% interest. And she's like, why would I do that? That's crazy. I go, well, Susan, the reason you would do that is because I'm building in the interest into the 100 grand. You would get only 75 grand selling through a realtor so why don't I build in $25,000 of interest and I'll just buy this house for you, $0 down, 0% interest. And a much longer story short, what she ended up agreeing on is exactly that. She agreed on um, all of this except for one caveat. And this is something that you really, really need to pay attention to. This is where creative finance gets very, very creative. Okay, so what I actually offered to her, as I said, here's what I want. I want this property. And I'm willing to take over these tenants. Uh, by the way, this is a pretty massive benefit for me because if I take over tenants, guess what I don't have to do? I don't have to make any payments while I'm renovating. I don't have to raise money for a renovation. I can just take over a property that's already cash flowing and I don't have to go find tenants. I don't have to go do any of that kind of stuff. Okay, so the reality is this. Dale and Susan, I offered her I said, $0 down and 0% interest seller finance. She says, no, I need some money down. Okay. Well, here's the beautiful thing about creative finance is that I tried desperately to do a deal that was $0 down, 0% interest, and I was hell-bent and dedicated to making sure that happened. So I told Susan, how much money do you want down, Susan? What is a reasonable amount of money that you would take down? And Susan then says to me, if you give me $10,000 down, I will then give you 0% seller finance, which means she would sell the remaining, I, she'd sell it to me for a hundred grand. I'd give her $10,000 down. She would then sell her finance the remaining balance of $90,000 to me at 0% interest, okay? Pretty amazing. So what I told Susan, I said, okay, 
If you want this $10,000 right here as a down payment, here's what I want. There's two rules I want. Number one, you pay the closing costs. Okay, you pay the closing costs. Okay, guys, pay attention to this. This is great. And number two, I want to pay your down payment over 12 months. Now, if you pay attention to this, I just got the seller to give me 0% seller financing, take payments on her $100,000 house, let me take over her tenants, which are already paying their bills, and she's going to pay the closing costs, and this $10,000 down payment that she's giving, she's asking me, she will let me pay that $10,000 down payment over the course of 12 months. That is creative finance. And here's the proof that this is exactly what happened. So on this address right here, you can see, let's see, where is the address on this house? Um, the address on the house is, as you guys can see right here, here's the LLC that owns it. Pace Cody is the PC in there. You can also see the title company and the recording number that, that got recorded. All this is legit and real. And the property address is 1906 South 76 Place. Okay. Now, what you need to understand is anybody that says, oh, this guy's full of it. Guys, pull up any address I give you. If I ever give you an example, it's a house I still own to this day. Okay. I still own this house to this day. Okay, Joe Delgado, this is a common question, okay? Joe Delgado, here's the answer. A couple of reasons. I want you to write this down. Joe Delgado says, why would she pay the closing costs? First and foremost, she's not a real estate investor, Joe, okay? She's not you. She's not trying to acquire property. Number two, because I'm a phenomenal negotiator. That's the biggest reason, because I'm a phenomenal negotiator. Number three, I gave her something she wanted, Creative finance is the only method. It's the only method that is not a zero-sum game, okay? In cash, here's a better question, Joe. Why do sellers, because we can all agree, wholesalers are, do you know how many wholesale transactions happen every single month, Joe? Every single month in the United States, 146,000 wholesale transactions are recorded and tracked. 146,000 wholesale contracts. What does that mean? That's monthly, not yearly. That's monthly. How do I know this? I own a company. I own a title company that does uh, title work nationwide. I know the statistics. 146,000 trackable wholesale contracts. Now, if I'm a wholesaler, I'm typically buying 50, 60, 70 cents on the dollar. So a better question is, Joe, why would any seller ever sell to you as a wholesaler at 50, 60, 70 cents on the dollar when somebody like me is willing to pay 100% of the value of the property as long as I get the terms that I need? That's the answer. I've overpaid. I've paid for the property. I've given them the asking price. That is the answer. I've given you five or six answers. Write that down. It is so critical for you to understand this. Every single story. And Joe, by the way, I've given you a back history of this seller. And unfortunately, we're at 350 people watching right now. About 100 people have lost track of where we are because they showed up late. So I hope you didn't show up, Joe, to understand where 
and why Joe, uh, why uh, Dale and Susan were selling this property in the first place. The reason why a seller will sell to you on creative finance is because I pay more money. That's why. I pay more money. I pay more money than any wholesaler. I pay more money than any hedge fund. I pay more money than everyone. Jonathan says, is this creative finance method legal in all states? It is legal in every single state. Can we as investors write this up offer or do we have a realtor do so? Never have a realtor write up your offers ever. I've never had a realtor write up an offer for me ever in any transaction whatsoever. Wholesale, creative or otherwise. Okay. Now let me get back to this. Okay. Does everybody understand the answer to that? Okay. Joe says he's got it. Okay. Jess Humphrey also says exactly great negotiating skills. And I hope you guys understand how hard, how hard is it to own a title company? It's not that hard. Nothing's that hard. Okay. So let's go back to this note. I want you guys to read this note. Let's go back to what I was talking about so you guys can see the proof and everything that we're doing here, okay? So here is the note, okay? This is the agreement between the two parties. So remind me, I bought it on March 31st, 2020. I bought it for $100,000. Dale and Susan sold it to me. And here is the agreement, principal sum of $100,000. The Amazing thing is you can see I bought it on March 31st, but when is my down payment due? My down payment is due six months later. Six months later, guys. So my first down payment was $5,000. My second down payment was another $5,000 over the course of 12 months. Okay, this is six months. This is six months, totaling a 12-month time frame. Here's the beautiful thing about this agreement. The beautiful thing about this agreement is that Dale and Susan paid the closing costs, okay? I did not have a single penny come out of my pocket on this deal. I took over tenants that were already in the property. And if you remember my story in the very beginning, the tenants were paying $1,600 a month, okay? $1,600 a month. So let's go back to this. Tenants are already paying. They're in the property, $1,650 a month every single month. Let's go back to my agreement with Dale and Susan. If you guys look, my payments to them are $375 a month. I'm paying Dale and Susan $375 a month. And if you look at my interest rate, Guys, this is a free house. This is literally a free house. I'm paying them 0% interest. Okay? Now, because there's 0% interest, I'm making them payments for 20 years, not 30 years, because there's no interest. 20 years, no balloon, $375 a month at 0% interest. It's all right here. It's pretty simple to see. What's cool about this, the coolest part about this is that the down payment was given not when I bought the property. If you guys look, March 31st, 2020. First payment due, September 19th, 2020, which is six months later. My second down payment or second portion of the down payment wasn't due for another six months after that. 
I'm going slow for a lot of people that are just brand new to this to understand this, okay? So my payment to Dale and Susan is $375 a month. Okay, so I make a payment to Dale. I receive $1,650 a month from the tenant, okay? $1,650 a month comes to me. And out of that $1,650 a month, I pay $375 a month to them for 20 years. They are my bank. So this is what's funny as I get a lot of people, okay, that on Instagram, TikTok, where are, wherever the uneducated people hang out, usually short form video content, people that are just down there trolling the comments, they're like, this is illegal. Also, you don't own the house because you still owe them money. I'm like, okay, so you obviously don't own a property of your own, okay? Let's, let's think about this for a second. If you've ever used a credit card to go buy groceries before, the reality is you used somebody else's money to buy your groceries. So are we going to argue that the credit card company owns your groceries and that those groceries are not yours? If you buy a gallon of milk, couldn't you say that that's my gallon of milk and I simply just owe money back to the credit card company? That is how debt works. The person who lends the money to you to buy the thing is not the owner of the thing. They are simply the bank. And in this situation with Dale and Susan, Dale and Susan are my bank. They do not own the property. I do because at the close of escrow, the deed, the ownership transferred in my company's name. And if you guys need to see this, you guys saw the agreement. I owe Dale and Susan money. Why don't I show you guys the owner of that property is still on public record. Let's pull this up. You guys ever wondered how to pull up public record? Let's pull it up right now. Okay, let's go Maricopa County Assessor. Maricopa County Assessor's Office, okay? Assessor is kind of just a governing body. You guys have an assessor's office in every single, um, okay, residential and rental property. Uh, I don't want to go there. Let's go, let's search the website for 1906 South 78. Let's see if we can find the, ooh, there it is. Check it out, guys. PCS, PCGS Management. Let's go to the APN number. You guys can see that on this address, the actual owner is right here. It started on 4-1-2020, which is the day after I showed you my record, right? Let's go back here. Oops, my bad. You guys can see the agreement. It was closed on March 31st, 2020, the very next day. It recorded with the county recorder's office, and you guys can see on the county assessor's website, PC PCGS management, owner information. Just because I owe Dale and Susan a debt every single month of $300 plus every single month does not mean they are the owner. They are the bank. That is why it is called seller financing. The seller has financed me. This is what creative finance is. We created a document, which is called a note. You guys can see all of the history. You guys can see all of the things, the parcel maps, who the own, all the things. I cannot tell you how many people on Instagram reels, TikTok short form, all these things, how un, 
educated people really are with real estate. They're really stupid comments. Show them how little they show me how little they actually know about real estate and how much they actually understand about seller finance. I can buy anything with seller finance. I bought my own $3 million home with seller finance. Every home we buy and keep right now is purchased through seller finance. Now, seller finance is an umbrella subject to and seller finance are underneath that umbrella. Subject to is a whole nother conversation we'll have next week. But I want you guys to understand what creative finance is, is that I can go directly to a seller and I can buy their property without any cash, without any credit. Nobody looked at my bank. Nobody. Literally, Dale and Susan never asked me, can I see your credit? Can I see your bank account? Who's your employer? Where's your tax returns? The title company never asked. Nobody has ever asked me for any of those things that has ever sold their house to me with creative finance. So am I the owner of the property? Yes. Public record shows you right there. I just pulled it up on the county assessor's office. I am the owner, even though the seller, seller financed it to me. So what's funny is that the people that think they know what they're talking about, the trolls inside of uh, social media, have no clue how wealth is really created. And it's unfortunate, but that's okay. That's why we're doing this, this podcast. So here's the cool part about this, okay? The cool part about this is that Dale and Susan are receiving a payment from me of $375, right? We've talked about that. It's already in the agreement. If you guys missed that part, you missed it four or five minutes ago, okay? Dale and Susan, I pay them monthly for 20 years, okay? Until it's completely paid off. And at that point, I will own it free and clear. Even though I own it today, I just don't own it free and clear, which means I owe money. I have the deed. The deed is on the public record, right? We already talked about that. Established, done. I am the owner. What's great about this is after I pay another... Um, $275 a month, basically in miscellaneous expenses. I end up on this property. I end up netting. Okay. I end up netting about $1,000 per month. So here's what's cool about that $1,000 per month. In my first year of owning this property that I paid no closing costs on. Remember, I paid no closing costs. The seller did. I paid no upfront down payment. I, my down payment was over the course of 12 months. I didn't have to pay any interest on. I've used zero of my tax returns, zero W-2, no cash whatsoever. I did not have to renovate the property. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. And guys, I have multiple, multiple, multiple properties of this. So many stories I could go through and tell you this. The reason why I tell this story frequently is because I bought this deal and I re actually recorded the conversation with Susan, okay? So here's the cool thing about this $1,000 per month. If you guys remember now, I'm making $1,000 a month every single month on this one little property. If I make $1,000 a month over 12 months, didn't I make $12,000 in my pocket? Technically, yes. But unfortunately, here's where I spent the money. And this is actually fortunate. This is where the money was sent. I took that $12,000 
And every six months of that agreement, I made $6,000 in cash flow and $6,000 in cash flow. I took out the $5,000 I owed her for down payment and I netted $1,000. I then took out $5,000 the following six months and I netted $1,000. So the reality is on this deal, I paid my down payment to her with the cash flow from the tenant I took over. This is literally a deal that was brought to me from a wholesaler who could not solve this problem. This is why creative finance is the easiest thing to do. I can pay full retail for this property. I can structure terms, which we've already talked about what terms are. Terms are an agreement between two parties that allows me to make payments to that party and them to give me the thing that I want to make payments on as ownership. I didn't use a W-2. I don't have any credit involved in any of my purchases. Hey, what's funny is check this out. I go to get a car loan last week. Okay. Literally, I'm like looking to buy a new truck. So I go tell my, and by the way, a lot of people that are uneducated also say, why don't you pay your cars off in cash? That's an uneducated response. That's an uneducated question. An educated question is, wow, that's brilliant. What are you going to do with your cash instead? If I go get a loan on a truck, right? That means one, I get tax, I get tax benefits for doing that. And two, instead of me paying off an 80, 90 or $100,000 truck with cash, I can take that 80, $90,000 and go put that into more real estate that then pays the payment on my truck. I bought real estate, built my wealth and my real estate pays for my truck. And my truck gives me tax benefits. This is the stuff that people are not understanding. They think that in order to be wealthy, you're paying things off with cash. That is not how it works. Dave Ramsey is wrong. Most of the people that are learning from Dave Ramsey are the reason why Dave Ramsey is rich. Dave Ramsey is worth 200 something million dollars from what? Financial services he charges to the people who watch his podcast. That's the majority of how Dave Ramsey is wealthy. He stopped fixing and flipping because he got his ha ass handed to him. So if you guys are taking advice from Dave Ramsey, I'm not saying his advice is wrong. It's just wrong for people that actually want to live a good life and have multiple millions of dollars. And by the way, by the time you retire, a million dollars in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years will be worth maybe a hundred grand in today's dollars. It won't go far. You will not be able to retire on it. So the reality is you have to own real estate. You have to utilize debt. You have to utilize tax strategies and things that are written in the IRS code in order for you to become wealthy. So I bought this property without any credit, without any job history, without any of that kind of stuff. And I go and I go get a loan for my truck. And the the lender goes, okay, how much is the, your primary residence? How much do you pay on your mortgage? And I say, oh, I pay $5,500. And she goes, well, we pulled your credit and we don't see any loans for any homes on your credit. Isn't that interesting? Pace, you're trying to get a loan. We know you own real estate. We can see all your LLCs owns the, own all these properties why are none of these debts showing up on your credit? 
And I said, uh, the, the girl's name is Pamela. I said, Pamela, the debt on something is not in my name because I never had to use my credit to buy the thing. She's like, wait, what? How are you buying houses without any credit? I said, because I'm not going to a financial institution and asking for money. I'm either A, taking over an existing loan, right? I'm taking over the payments and the responsibility of an existing loan, or B, the seller owns the thing outright and we work out an agreement where I can make payments to that seller and I take full ownership through the title and deed of that property. And Pamela goes, oh my gosh, I've been saving up down payment and this and that and other things for my own personal down payment on a house. Are you telling me I don't need any of that? And I go, Pamela, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Anything from a mobile home all the way up to a multi, multi-million dollar multifamily deal. We have a multifamily deal right now in DFW that looks to be about a seven to $8 million acquisition where the seller is going to seller finance the deal. It does not matter what the asset class. It doesn't matter if it's a vehicle. I've bought and sold vehicles on creative finance. It doesn't matter if it's a mobile home, a mobile home park full of 53 units, which I own, seller finance. It doesn't matter if it's a single family home that I turn out and I live in. It doesn't matter if it's something I buy with creative finance, I turn into an Airbnb, et cetera. There are 25 strategies in creative finance. There is one strategy in wholesale. And one of the most beautiful things about creative finance that people need to understand is so many people listening to this now and in the future, we're roughly at 400 people watching right now live, is that people don't realize that you can buy and wholesale creative finance. So even if I decided I didn't want that deal with Dale and Susan Poyer. Could I have sold that to somebody else for $20,000 assignment fee? All day long. I could have worked out an agreement on paper and I could have wholesaled that to somebody else and walked away with $20,000 today, paying 20 grand over retail. Now, the majority of the properties that we own and the majority of the properties that we purchase are purchased under retail. But I'm just letting you guys know, for example, that when a seller wants too much money or owes too much money, creative finance really is the only answer. And in a really hot market right now where people are like, it's so competitive, it's so challenging. I've got students buying sub two deals all day long. I probably get three four, five really good opportunities every day in my DMs. I get five to 10 opportunities in my emails. Guys, creative finance is currently one of the most overwhelming opportunities in all of real estate. And when the market tumbles and when the market struggles sometime next year, two years, four years, five years, whenever the correction is that is inevitably going to come, creative finance will not just continue to dominate it will be 10x stronger in its domination. Subject to seller finance, novation agreements, we teach them all, we do them all, they are legal nationwide. Not only are they legal, we do those transactions nationwide. There's not a single creative finance transaction that is illegal whatsoever, okay? That is the answer to what is creative finance. So hopefully this has helped you guys a lot. Um, what, we were, what we are going, isn't there, um, yes, so REI Cal, isn't there a website where somebody, you can buy somebody's car through creative finance? If you know the website, drop it in the comments. Lease Traders is one. Um, 
swapmypayments.com, I believe is the name of it. Um, so great, Grant Huckenstein, uh, Huckestein, Grant, go back to a previous Sunday service episode. Type in Sunday service, do on sale clause, and you will see an hour and a half dedicated to do on sale clause, okay? We will go back through uh, do on sale clause through this series. We're going to continue to go through it, but I'm going to tell you, go watch that previous episode of do on sale clause and Sunday service. I've talked about it at greater length than anybody else has on YouTube. Um, so Clive Kluwer. Do you realize you're not looking at the camera? Yes, I, I am fully aware of that. I Do you want me to only look at a lens the whole time or do you want me to look at the com comments? Clive, are you aware that I'm looking at a screen so I can see your comments? And are you aware that my your comments are not on my lens? Okay, do you, you gotta realize, okay? Unless you want me to do this in some low production fashion, this is the best, this is the best, okay? Scott says, we have two creative deals we are wholesaling as we speak. I have three students wholesaling deals to me this week, one in North Carolina, one in Gainesville, Florida, and one in Atlanta. I can buy properties and keep them all I want, or I can wholesale them. Creative finance is the way, the truth, and the light. It is the way that sellers get paid more. It's the way that you get what you need in terms, to, in terms of holding the property. It is the only zero non-zero-sum game in real estate. I don't need a realtor's license to do it. I don't even need a title company technically to do it, although we do use a title company to do it. I don't need to be licensed or even experienced in order to do creative finance whatsoever, okay? Um, so thank you so much, Clive, for pointing out that I'm not looking at the camera. I love that. Um, Jonathan Newsom says, Pace, do you realize creative finance is the truth? Yes, I do. I understand that. Thank you so much. Okay. So Grant Taylor, do you typically only buy rental or Airbnb property in markets where you already have systems built for managing? That's a great question, Grant. Um, what I'll be doing in probably series episode five or six of the series is I will talk about my current strategy. Um, when we first started, uh, there's, basically five phases to creative finance. Okay. Five phases. So when I first jump into creative finance, the first phase is always wholesale. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run into sellers that are, um, I'm going to run into sellers that are willing to sell on seller finance or subject to, and I'm going to wholesale those deals when I first start so I can get today money. Okay. Then the next phase is to start selling on seller finance yourself. It's called selling on wraps or selling on owner finance. So we'll talk about phase one, phase two, phase three is like lease options and things of that nature. Phase four is, is um, Airbnb. Phase five is now rentals long-term. And why do I wait till phase five is because most people starting out, most people watching this today really, really want today money. And a rental is not going to give you today money. Okay. A rental is going to give you forever money, but it's not going to typically give you uh, today money. I can show you guys how to raise capital and be really creative in terms of getting today money, but I'm not going to do that in today's episode, but uh, really, really great question. Um, so was the book club recorded for students? Yes, only for students. Unfortunately, the author asked us to not share it on YouTube. So the book club with uh, Bob Berg today will only be shared with sub two and astro flipping students, unfortunately. Um, so 
Scott says, anybody has questions about this stuff, feel free to message me on Facebook. Love it. Um, okay, cool. Glenn and Bennett says, creative finance is changing my life, bro. I'm telling you right now, creative finance changed my life forever. Uh, changed, is currently changing my life. And I can tell you as changing thousands of my students' lives. My main goal, guys, is to normalize the conversation around creative finance. That's my main goal. Um, Alfred Ortiz says, Pace, would you be willing to talk about how a newbie can show lenders credibility to invest in their rehab costs? Yes, I would love to do that in a future episode. Can you do a video on connecting with lenders when just starting out? Yep, I will absolutely do that. Pace, how many properties do you own? I own over 300 doors. Um, probably by the end of next year, it'll be close to 800 doors. Can only students wholesale creative finance deals to you? Um, I've got seller finance deals right now in North Carolina. Trevor Wilcox, um, no, DM me on Instagram. If you DM me on Instagram, I'd be happy to look at your deals. Of course, the reason why I made a name for myself in creative finance is because I've been buying deals all over the country for years and years. So please DM me any opportunities you have in North Carolina. I am a buyer in North Carolina. Um, now, Here's, what, here's the difference, Trevor. I will not get on the phone with your seller. I will not structure your deals for you. I will not do your paperwork. I will not do any of that stuff. If you have a problem with those things, I will refer you to a student in North Carolina. They can help you, and then I'll buy the deal from my student. I'm not educating people and getting on the phone with you. I get a lot of people that DM me. Literally, I, I could show you one of my DMs today. He's like, I need you to get on the phone with a seller. I'm like, call one of my students. I, I've trained thousands of people to do this so that they could be leaders and help you guys do the same thing. So if you need help with all that, if it's just a deal and you have it under contract, sell it to me, DM it to me, I'll buy it from you, okay? Um, Pace, how would, you, how would your conversation go when getting wholesaler who wants cash offer only? When getting wholesaler who wants cash offer only? Um, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. You're saying when you go, when getting wholesalers, are you saying sellers or wholesalers? What your question doesn't make sense. What's the risk of a sub two other than due on sale clause? That's a great question. I'll talk about that next week on sub two. What is sub two? What are the risks? What are the things to worry about? But guys, today's episode primarily was what is creative finance? What is possible with creative finance? Through this series of the next 52 episodes of Sunday Service, we will continue to give you 52 total hours of creative finance. What is creative finance is this week? giving you the ultimate possibilities. I'll give you probably another 100 stories over 52 episodes in 52 weeks. Next week, we are going to talk about what is subject to. So next week, if you guys have a question about what is subject to, um, I will lay that out over the course of an hour and we will do some Q&A in the side chat. Hopefully you guys got value out of tonight in terms of what is creative finance, what is it all about, um, I will be answering a lot of really fun things in the future. I'll answer questions like how much money do I make every month for my cash flow? What is my primary markets? Why do I like those markets? What's my strategy for 2022 and 2023 and 2024? Do you own multifamily? Do you own mobile home parks? Do you own this? Do you fix and flip creative finance? Yes, we do creative finance with fix and flip. We do wholesale fix and flip. That's creative finance. We do, um, sorry, wholesale we wholesale creative finance deals. We fix and flip creative finance deals. We hold and own creative finance deals. We do Airbnb. We do mobile home parks. We do multifamily. We do developments with creative finance. There's not a single strategy in real estate that cannot utilize creative finance. And so when people ask me all the time, why would I start with creative finance? I think I'm going to start with wholesale. And I'm like, do you think you're going to build a house with one screwdriver? 
Creative Finance is the entire tool belt. Wholesale is one flathead screwdriver. You guys need to understand that Creative Finance is the most powerful tool in the game. Hands down, I dominate wholesalers. If you, let me tell you the last thing, I'll, uh, last thing I'll say tonight. When I used to go on physical appointments, probably three years ago, I used to go on physical appointments to buy houses. I would make sure I told a seller, hey, whoever you're meeting with, other investors, let them know you've met with Pace Morby. I was so confident and still am so confident in my ability because of creative finance and my creative storytelling brain that I tell the seller to tell the other wholesalers that Pace Morby was the last appointment they had. I will get DMs from people. I we used to get DMs from people on Instagram that would say, uh, dang it, man. I was like, I, I say what? And they go, just found out you went to a house that I've been calling on for three months. If you know Pace goes into an appointment of yours in Phoenix, Arizona, after you went in, you know you've lost that deal. You know you've lost that deal, not only because I'm a great negotiator, but because I use creative finance. It's the greatest cheat code in, on planet Earth. It is the greatest cheat code on planet Earth as far as real estate is concerned. Can realtors do creative finance? Yes. Have I bought deals through realtors with creative finance? Yes. Have I bought deals... Have I bought deals for 10 grand on creative finance? Yes. Have I bought deals in the multi-millions with creative finance? Yes. In fact, I have an, a deal in Austin right now, downtown Austin, Texas, one of the hottest markets on planet Earth. I am buying a seller finance deal in downtown Austin off market. And everybody's saying Austin's an impossible market. Guys, creative finance is the way. So next week we will be talking about, we will be talking about what is subject to? Eric Kabata, good to see you, brother. Love you. Appreciate you. Haven't talked to you in a while, but good to see you in here. Thank you so much. Um, and by the way, Real Estate by Chad Pasa says, do we just start calling every listing? Bro, we don't call listings. If you, it, it, Let me tell you something. Last thing in, in passing. Real estate investors don't waste their time on the MLS. Stop wasting your time on the MLS. The MLS is oversaturated with agents. It's oversaturated with real retail buyers. You have to be incredibly lucky to get deals on the MLS. Do we buy deals on the MLS? Yes, but I would never, ever tell you to start on the MLS. Stop looking at Zillow. Stop, stop looking at the MLS. Those sellers don't have pain. We are looking for sellers who have pain, foreclosure, bankruptcy, tax default, divorce, those are the people to reach out to. Stop thinking the MLS or Zillow is a lead source. It is not. Stop going to those areas to get lead. That's not what you do. So thank you for that question, Chad. I'm, I, I hope that a lot of people got value from that one question. We go to off market. Is, off market is 90% of what we do. 10% of what we do is with realtors and with uh, MLS. So do we buy deals on MLS? Yes, but that's not where most deals come from. So guys, thank you so much. Sunday service, we are out next week. We are talking about what is subject to. We'll probably go a good hour and a half, maybe even two hours on Sunday service next week. I will be calling people on the stage to ask and answer uh, specific questions. I might even bring on a couple of my students to talk about this topic as well. Appreciate you guys tremendously. We'll see you next week on Sunday service. Oh, oh, oh.